Hello and welcome to episode 52 of the Liverpool Comedy Improvcast with me, Ian Luke Jones. This is where we get to know the people who make up the LCI community. And today we have part one of a Viola Spolin special with Max Schaefer. Yes, that's right. Uh, I spoke with Max and there was so much to talk about to do with Viola Spolin that I decided to split the interview in two and do over two episodes. So we've got two really great episodes, really focused on Viola Spolin and Max's sort of history of dealing with all things Viola Spolin and teaching all things Viola Spolin. So I'm really excited for you to hear part one today and then part two next week. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and wherever else you get your podcasts. We're even available on Amazon Podcasts, which means that you can ask Alexa to play the show. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a five-star review and subscribe to the show to give us a boost and help get our name out there. Now it's time to go off script and find out Max's true story about all things Viola Spolin. Now, please welcome this week's guest. It's Max Schaefer. Welcome, Max. Hey, hi. <laughs> Great to be here. Now, I am super excited to have you on the show because we are going to be digging deep into all things Viola Spolin and sort of giving people a bit of a crash course into exactly who she is and the impact that she's had on improv. That's terrific. Uh, and it's true. She's had quite an impact <laughs> of anybody. She's the lady. <laughs> so on on the show, we've got uh, lots of listeners with different uh, levels of experience of improv. And, you know, there are some really seasoned improvisers that know a lot about Viola Spolin. And there are some very new improvisers that perhaps have never even heard of her or they've only heard her name. So uh, we're going to just sort of get as detailed as we can to find out who she is to begin with. Uh, but we'll also look into your history as well as an improviser and find out uh, what led you to uh, sort of, I guess, preaching preaching the ways of, of Viola Spolin. Uh, so that's what we're going to be looking into. Terrific. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Good. Well, let's do it. <laughs> yeah, let's go for it. So first of all, for for those that have no idea who she is, she's a very influential person in the world of improv. Who is she? Can you give us a bit of a breakdown? Yes. Well, um, I'm not the expert in terms of dates and numbers for Spolin, but uh, one thing is very clear. She wrote the book on improvisation. She is considered by many people, either the mother of improvisation or the grandmother of improvisation. <laughs> <laughs> but she, uh, before her, there was no, you know, obviously there was improvisation way back to the mid medieval times, yeah. but it was never actually put into a form, in a structured form that detailed, almost like a scientist, how improv, uh, the, the whole, idea the whole concept behind imp improvisation and how it applied to theater and not only to theater but to uh, different aspects children's theater uh use theater for directing on stage but also theater without scripts so uh definitely she she wrote the book this is the book improvisation for the theater 
It's now in its third edition. I've got the hardcover because I'm heavy duty. <laughs> <laughs> but she's wrote she's wrote uh, many books on improvisation, all for different aspects of theater or um, children's theater. She wrote this um, when I was when I worked with her when I was uh, in my twenties. She wrote this book, Improvisation uh, Theater Games for the Classroom for the classroom teacher. Right. Uh, She's really heavy into uh, uh, children's theater. A part of her book, Improvisation for the Theater, has a whole section on children's theater because she, she worked a lot with children she, before she got into adult uh, world of improvisation. It was all kind of based. I had the really fortunate opportunity to take that book and develop it into a multimedia CD with video examples called, uh, again, the same name, Theater Games for the Classroom. So this is actually part of the Spolin Library. Uh, you can buy along with all the Spolin books for Mac and Windows. And uh, here's another one of her books, Theater Games for Rehearsal, which is such an innovative book uh, because it take, tells you how to use theater games for dealing with, for example, scripted plays. And yeah. mo when people think about Spolin, they don't think, well, they think about, you know, improvising, not, you know, using it for uh, making things up on the spot. But the secret that most people don't know about is how it applies to scripted plays and the real innovative aspects of how to take a, a scripted play and really make it come alive through theater. This is brilliant. This is more groundbreaking than anything you see because there are concepts in there that no other theater directors do. Uh, for example, one of the things she says is, don't take your script home. Don't study it at home uh, because it really doesn't, uh, it could actually be more, more harmful than it is good <laughs> because you're not really in the moment, in the presence with the other player to really develop, you know, the, the whole sense of stage space and interaction and, you know, you're yeah. just off in your own little world. So she's got some really innovative things here that um, I've had the fortune enough to be able to study and learn from. And I'd love to bring that to one of my plans is to to bring some of this new stuff or this special stuff about Spolin uh, to to light to to people who've not who've already experienced Spolin, but maybe want to move on and explore even more. Yeah. Now, am I right in thinking that what she created actually came out of theatre and wanting to improve scripts? Was that what she was going for when she started to create all these theatre games? She wanted to help people with their scripted work. Uh, actually, no, no. When she no. started, she <laughs> uh, the interest. The, the story is so interesting. She started working with this uh, this real pioneer in in Chicago. Uh, this woman named Neva Boyd, who was a pioneer in social work, and was dealing uh, in this place called the Whole House, which bring brought in people from all over the world, especially children from all different parts of the world at a time in America where uh, uh, a lot of immigrants came, but they couldn't communicate with each other. And uh, Neva Boyd used games, traditional games, every kind of traditional game that you can imagine, and brought them to this, to uh, through Hall House to the children in the community just to bring 
uh, people together. And Viola, Viola Spolin was one of her students. And Viola take, took those games and she developed them into theater games uh, because, she, again, she worked with children. It was all started with children and how to get them to connect and communicate with each other. So a game like gibberish, where you're speaking in a made-up language, was a really wonderful way for children to kind of connect with each other, even though they they couldn't speak the same language. Um, so she went on and she moved on to uh, to Hollywood and developed a, a group called the Young Actors Company, and uh, which had some really <laughs> some of the people in that cast were people like Paul Sand, who won an Academy Award, or no, yeah. a Tony. And um, Alan Alda was in there for a short time. But she developed this incredible group of players. You should see some of the pictures of them in <laughs> costumes. Uh, and then she went on, uh, her, her son, uh, Paul Sills, started the very first, the very first improvisational theater in, uh, it was in Chicago. You might know about it, Second City. <laughs> <laughs> He started Second City along with uh, David Shepard and, and um, had some of the most brilliant minds um, to work with, work with him. And he took Viola's games uh, and used them to create theater, to, to create improvisational theater. But they were all based on those games that she developed. And, um, and she came and worked with them for, uh, for a bit. And then they came out to uh, that group, Paul Sills, and all those improvisational actors came out to Los Angeles where they did a show code called Sills and Company, where I got the opportunity to be the stage manager <laughs> wow. for them. So I got to see some of the best improvisation in the world using the original, the original uh, Second City players. So to see improvisational uh, theater at the best when I was just starting out was like such a dream come true and to work with them and work with Paul Sills then worked with Carol Sills then worked with Aretha Sills who teaches uh, Viola's work today and is expanding it to to teaching with uh, write, teaching writers how to develop material through small, through improvisation yeah. improvisation is not just theater improvisation is a whole form that applies to theater applies to writing, applies to being a teacher, applies to every, applies to my own life. It's, this book is called Improvisation for the Theater, <laughs> uh, but the techniques of improvisation are, are so universal. My partner and I, we love it when we're watching uh, TV shows, particularly a lot of sort of American comedy shows. We love it when we can pick out, oh, that was improv, like that wasn't scripted. They've just thrown it in there. <laughs> Right, right. Some of these movies, like Spinal, this is Spinal Tap, entire movies yeah. that start with just a scenario, and they just say, "Well, here's the scenario. Uh, expand it using improvisation." Uh, some of the best theater in the world. Yeah. And I had uh, an actor friend of mine on the show not that long ago, and he is someone that sort of actively avoids improv because he doesn't like to come away from the script he will use it to help him develop a character but then he doesn't like the idea of just sort of being left without a script and it fascinates me that there's people out there 
that are very apprehensive about improv. Yes, but if, consider if you're even using a script, well, it's not just saying the words. It's how you're using the environment around you, how you're using your physicality. It's all part of what you do while you have a script. That's also part of the improvisational world. So it's not just, uh, I'm just going to add lib here and there. No, that's not improvisation. <laughs> improvisation is everything you do, how you, how you look at the person, how you respond to the people. There are so many aspects of improvisation that whether you have a script or not, uh, but yeah, you know, I can understand that. You know, certainly a person like me, who uh, was very tongue-tied and still am a bit. You know, it's like, oh, you're gonna have to come up with your own words. But it's not ad-libbing. Ad-libbing is a different ball game. It's not, and and a lot of times ad-libbing is really terrible. <laughs> but uh, you know, that's why some people say I don't like improv. You know, because they're seeing these bad ad-libbing on stage. But that's not improvisation. For so sure. can you can you break that down a little bit and tell me the differences between ad lib and improv? Well, ad lib is just uh, uh, okay. You're just going to make up your own words. It's all verbal. It's all like, and it, one of the concepts that's very spawn is out of your head and into the space. That's something she said all the time. Out of your head into space. Don't pre-plan things. Don't talk about you know what happened to your grandma a week ago. You know. Talk about what's present, what's in front of you right here, right now. Um, you know, and that's a it's an important concept in whatever type of improvisation you do. The idea that uh, being present and not talking about the past because it, it 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 kind of divorces you from the other players and from the audience because they don't know, <laughs> you know, they don't care about what happened a week ago. They want to know what's happening right in front of you right now. That's what's the interesting part of it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that idea of uh, – I forgot what the question was. I was going somewhere with it. <laughs> it was the difference between ad-libbing and improv. Oh, yeah. So improv improvisation is, okay, um, well, uh, uh, actually, there, in her book, she talks about the seven aspects of spontaneity. And there are uh, things that you uh, – the techniques that you use, ideas, concepts that get you to a moment, a, a sense of presence on the stage where you uh, can play and interact with the other characters um, and um, actually be in the present moment to to perform. So improvisation is, is the use of the space around you, your whole physicality, and everything you're doing it to uh, communicate to the other player and most importantly to the audience. So it's all about that interconnection yeah. between them. And it's all based on play. So uh, the, the games in the book are, are to develop the actor, mostly to develop the actors to develop different uh, abilities to be a great performer, you know, working in different aspects of presence, of using the space around you, of being able to be heard by the audience and connect with the audience. Real fundamental things, right? So yeah. and essential for theater. It makes sense, I guess, that it's all rooted in her work with children and children's games because I think, you know, that's that's one of the hardest things for improvisers to get past. It's it's the fact that, oh yeah, I can just be free like I was when I was a child, when I didn't have all of the pressures of life telling me that I can't do this and I can't do that. 
Exactly. And, and the, the idea of being in the uh, state of play really it gives you, frees you up, frees you up to explore, to connect. So it's all, it's brilliant. And before Viola, nobody did that. You know, other theater teachers, they would use, possibly they use games as uh, exercises, but using the game format and using elements of Side coaching and evaluation, which are very key to sp the Spolin philosophy, is a way of really uh, getting in depth for learning from those experiences. And in your work in theatre yourself, have you ever found times where there are some people that are just really good at improv and it naturally flows through them, but they're doing a very strict scripted piece of work and they keep drifting into improv and there's like directors tearing their hair out they're like i just want you to do it the way that we practiced <laughs> <laughs> yes yes i did a student film where the director uh was doing uh, we we're doing this little commercial and he wanted me to stick with the script <laughs> i was i'm a total improv person and it was so hard for me to say every single word uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but that was my my fault, you know. A, a good improviser should be able to uh, follow directions. <laughs> and if you and if you wanted me to follow the script, I should have done that. Yeah, but it was a bit of a challenge for me. But that was because of my own uh, ability at the time. But uh, yeah, you know, improvisation should help you, but it shouldn't control you. It should be just something that will allow you to be a better actor yeah so yeah now we have something in the uk which i don't actually think is in america called a pantomime do you have pantomimes in america <laughs> uh, no as a matter of fact i when i was just there a couple months ago i i i i heard somebody talk about it and i was so ignorant about pantomime i all my life and i remember hearing this back when i was in my 20s I thought pantomime was a form of mime, but no, it isn't. <laughs> I didn't even know till last month. Go, go ahead. So yeah, so pantomime, you know, it's very big around Christmas time over here. And it's basically, yes, there is a script, but it's just fun. And it's, it's when things go wrong, that's what makes a pantomime work. And it's how people <laughs> work around it. And, and people, like, if you're in a pantomime, you kind of have to go out of your way to make people trip up on their lines and stuff like that because it's all part of the fun. And that, that's my favorite form of acting because it's basically sort of interwoven with improv. And the whole thing is, yes, you are playing out a script, but there is so much artistic license to go off script and, and just have fun with it. And it was Great. it wasn't it wasn't that long ago I discovered that it's it's not across the rest of the world. It, it is it's quite sort of insular to the UK. I think there's some places in Europe <laughs> that do it. Um but there are some Americans now that I think have cottoned onto it. Sort of relatively famous Americans like David Hasselhoff, Henry Winkler, people like that have been coming over and doing pantomime and being saying things like, where's this been all my life? It's, it's great. <laughs> I'll have to go over there and check it out. That sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> good, good. Sounds like a lot of element of play and really, really being um, exploring and being creative. So yeah. yeah. And, and what's cool about pantomimes and improv is it's for a family audience and there's, jokes in there for children and there's jokes in there for adults 
and you know a lot of the improv silliness that's there for the children so it links back to viola and uh, knowing that this um sort of craft that was being developed with children is 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 really good for adults as well yes yeah um absolutely and i didn't mention to you that um my start uh, when i started in college i i started my very first class was in theater games with this man named Robert Moyer, who developed a company that in about 1978 brought us uh, the entire group out to work with Viola. So I took wow. classes with her, uh, teacher classes, but classes for professional actors. Um, and we got we actually did a play which she directed. So wow. one of the few people actually directed by Viola Spolin back way back there when i was such a terrible actor <laughs> <laughs> and what was she like as a person well you know you knew you're in the presence of a genius you know uh, she she uh she was really um she was brilliant you know she she wrote the book uh, <laughs> and the book itself you know if you looked at the book it's it's, it's almost it's very uh she spent a lot of time developing the vocabulary and it, every game that she presented, she had done at least hundred times. So she knew the game so well, but she was very, um, she, she tended to be a little bit quiet and uh, purposely because uh, she was in a very difficult position because in order to be a good player, you have to be free from uh, being judged. And yeah. her one of the concepts of her seven aspects of spontaneity is to be in a situation where uh, you're avoiding approval, disapproval. So you're avoid, you know, you don't want to be a director. The director tells you what to do and you have to do it. And yeah. if you get it wrong, it's like, Ugh. <laughs> but the idea of improvisation is no, you're avoiding that kind of situation where you're looking, you're looking for, uh, did I do it right? Did I do it wrong? Because it is, there's an inhi inhibiting thing where if you get it wrong, it, it kind of makes you more, di more, more difficult for you to, to develop as a performer. So she was in a position where, yeah, you know, she wrote the book, so she was an authority figure. <laughs> um, but so she had to be quiet so that she could allow the players to play freely and not and not be intimidated by her, which was a real difficult position. But she tried very hard to do that. It was very important to her. And she would never direct anybody. Even the idea of where to stand. She would never tell you, oh, stand over there or do stand over there. No, she, she, she would use the games. She'd use the techniques. She would say something like, um, share with the audience. And something yeah. as simple as that, share with the audience, allows you to be seen, but doesn't say how to do it. So that was the idea, is giving you uh, ideas of how to work on specific acting problems without directing you. And that's one of the unique things about uh, the Spolin technique. Yeah. And yeah. so having, you know, had opportunities to work with her and know her, how do you think she would feel about the world of online improv that's exploded during the pandemic? Well, uh, yeah, because I'm one of the things for me is I've really got into it, especially musical improv online, which people said, no, that's impossible. You know, you can't <laughs> have two people singing at once. 
But man, uh, working with a group called the Nursery, yeah. I don't know if you're familiar with them. And uh, yeah, and em, I think Emma Bird was doing some stuff or she was, some yeah. stuff online too. So they're doing this stuff with uh, and bringing people from all over the world. That's the wonderful thing about it. I'm working with people from Ireland, from um, from all over the world, online together. And it's so wonderful because we're 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 like-minded people who love improvisational theater, and we can play with each other. So she would be thrilled that we're bringing everybody together that want to play and making it accessible to everybody in the world. So we're all meeting together. Finally, we've got a world community of improv players that, that yeah. can meet weekly. It's so wonderful. On the other hand, no, and also it's bringing together uh, p beginners. There are so many beginners online that have never done improvisation and it's bringing so many more people yeah. Uh, that have never tr wanted, always wanted to try it and bringing them all together. And that's a wonderful thing, too. On the other hand, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the idea of one of the concepts of, of doing improvisation is using the space around you yeah. and using your physicality. And it's a challenge online to, you know, the idea that, um, that you know, using, I can go all the way back here and and perform i can get out of my chair i can use space objects i can use my body i can use my back my hips my legs but the the problem with online improvisation is you see tend to see people who are just talking and thinking that improvisation is just about you saying interesting and funny things without moving your body or using the space around you and it's death <laughs> <laughs> it's so hard to watch because that's all you see online on Zoom is people who are just heads that are just talking. Yeah. And that's, it's not theater. It's not improv. Well, I guess it could be improvisation, but it's just, it's just hard <laughs> to watch. Well, I love, I love the ability to, so turn your camera off and then turn your camera on and you've got a wig on or you've got some props and things like that and really catch people out with things that you can't do on the stage you can't just magic a wig on out of nowhere yeah and you see that people can pass things to each other through, yeah. through and give that illusion of that and that anything that allows you to connect with each other it's fun to do it's you know or play you know as long as you're genuinely playing uh, it's always fun to watch yeah so you teach um the art of spolin and i'm interested to know what sort of people do you teach, do you just teach people that already know about improv or do you teach lots of people that have no idea about improv? Great, that's a great question because I teach everybody. I'm teaching at the Ed Asner Center, which deals with children who uh, who have autism, uh, autism problems with special needs students. Okay. Yeah. Um, people that really benefit from the work because they, they're so interested in connecting with people they want to connect with people so playing the games with them is such a joy i've been all over the world one of the things i i really appreciate is to be able to see people all over the world from different cultures doing spoiler doing some form of improvisation brazil turkey japan the uk uh europe i was just in europe in the uk last uh november and october and it got to see people all over the world and everywhere i went 
it was wonderful. It was everybody, everybody gets, everybody's enthusiastic about playing. And what's great is every culture in their improvisation, they bring a little bit of their culture with them. So in Japan, I'd see people doing things in Buddhist uh, scenes in Buddhist temples or adding a little Japanese. In Brazil, when I did, I did a, a two-week workshop there, they, they said, can we bring out our musical instruments? And they were doing their <laughs> scenes with maracas and, you know, bongos and all these uh, amazing things. And the UK, it's like, oh, what a joy. <laughs> just, just their accents, just to hear every, you know, the Liverpool accent. I love coming to Liverpool just to hear the accent and just to play with those players who just brought so much to it. I think with the UK, yeah. I think it's quite fascinating because the UK is obviously a very tiny piece of land in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, the the different accents that you encounter on the journeys through the UK, I find that fascinating because it's just a really small place. Why we don't all sound the same, I do not know. <laughs> Yes, yes. And I'd love to talk about my experience with the UK because uh, the UK has, in my opinion, become the leader in improvisational theater. Wow. I saw so much improvisation, uh, so many different groups in the UK. I couldn't believe it. I got to tell you a, a story. When I first started in, uh, in theater and back in 78, I was working with Viola. There was this guy um, named Andy Harmon who said, I'm going over to England to do Spolin because they don't do any <laughs> improvisation over there. It, it was 1978. They might, but she told me, no, there was none. Right. And I know that the, with the UK history, it was actually prohibited. There was a law that says, you, unless you had a script on stage, you are not allowed to speak. <laughs> right? Is that true? Uh, that you yeah. Know? Um, yeah. Okay. I would. I would believe that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know it for sure, but it sounds like it's something that this country <laughs> would do. <laughs> well, the king said, you know, had to uh, authorize. You know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so you don't say anything against the government, or I, I suppose that was yeah. the idea. So they didn't have her for the long time, and he 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 brought it out there. Uh, Exposing Spolin. And then when I returned, uh, I did a workshop there. They actually they had actually a Spolin school. This um, man named Daniel Brennan started this a school called Actorworks in London. And uh, I did a week-long workshop there. Brilliant, brilliant. But I didn't know of any other theater. And this was maybe 15, 20 years ago. Then, you know, coming back about two or three years ago, it's everywhere. <laughs> Nottingham, uh, Sherwood Forest in Nottingham had three, <laughs> three different groups going. You had uh, uh, Emma Bird, who's leading the one in Liverpool, had so much going on. I have a friend, Wakara Med, over in uh, uh, Dublin, who's doing workshops there all over the place. Uh, in London, they had they even have a show in the West End, a wonderful show that where they perform brilliant improvisation. Uh, this group called Akaprov, uh, this lady named Lisa Lynn does it there, and they do a cappella musicals <laughs> using improvisation. Oh, and um, well, the two best you got the nursery, the nursery who's who's 
most places, even places like Second City in Chicago, maybe have one or two musical directors. Right. The nursery has like six, seven, eight, <laughs> and they're all uh, workshops going on simultaneously. So you get as much musical improv in the world, and they're bringing people together. And the other one, this is incredible, is the the British Improv Project. Yes. With this guy named Jeff Monk, you know Jeff Monk, and uh, this guy named Tom. I was I did a, a work some workshops there in November, and man, this Viola would be th so thrilled because what they've done is they brought England together and bringing people from all different ages and professions. People are not in, not necessarily interested in theater. Just yeah. interested in playing and bringing all these people that are just coming together just to have fun and play through improvisation, and and they do this like twice a year. These huge, these huge uh, things, and it was such a joy. Uh, people just are addicted to this because it's people that are really supportive of each other, not like Los Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> Where everybody, every improv is, there's so many improv companies, but they're all separate. They don't want to share their information because they're building up their branding and yeah. they're all for professional actors and, you know, and you have such competition, but not with the British improv project. It's all, it's all just play and fun. And I had the best time ever there. So, uh, England rocks. <laughs> yeah, I've heard UK some things. Rocks. I've heard some things about some of the schools in America, and yeah, they do seem quite separate from each other. And it's very much a case of yeah, come in, give us your money, and then we'll start revealing the, the secrets. Oh, oh God! And you know what? And the thing is, they all use spawn. I mean, every aspect. All the major essence of improvisation is still based in Spawn. So everybody, even if they say they're doing, you know, whatever kind of improvisation, they're all still Spawn based. They're all still game based using the same techniques. And but they don't, they don't want to promote it at all. Spawn has kind of been a little bit pushed aside again because you know they're trying to build their own brand. And um, and the wonderful thing about England is they're so embracing of Spolin, and they're really allowing me to say, well, look, you could do your any form of theater, and but here, look what what else Spolin can bring, you know. And they and that's the thing about Spolin is uh, the gifts there's the gifts that they bring that Spolin brings applies to all theater and just enhances it. So, the, you know, if you're doing Spolin, you're not you're not it's not taking away from whatever you're doing already it just enhances it and that's the message i'm trying to that i was trying to bring to them yes <laughs> we've got so many gifts for you try this and yeah and they've been wonderful about it they've been so embracing and i just i can't wait to go back there Well, thank you so much to Max. That was a really great chat and we're only halfway through because next week we will be picking up right where we left off and finding out what Max has to tell us about Viola Spolin. There's still so uh, much 
awesomeness to come and I can't wait for you to hear the rest of this chat next week. Now, if you are interested in getting into improv or already involved in improv and want to try out a different improv scene, then all the info you need can be found at www.liverpoolcomedyimprov.co.uk. You can also check us out on Facebook by searching for Liverpool Comedy Improv and on Twitter and Instagram, we are at Live Comedy Improv. We have a Facebook page where you can find out all things to do with the show. We drop a trailer there every Thursday and we post links to the new episode every Monday when the show drops. You can just search on Facebook for Liverpool Comedy Improvcast and you'll find us with no problems whatsoever. If you are a member of the LCI community and you'd like to be a guest on the show, then please get in touch with me or with Emma Bird and we'll make arrangements as soon as possible. Now, that could be you coming on the show and telling us your improv journey if you've never been on the show before, or it could just be you coming on the show and talking about a particular improv topic uh, that you would like to talk about. Perhaps you've been a guest before, perhaps you've never been a guest, but you just want to talk about a topic. Whatever your idea is, feel free to contact me or contact Emma and we will try and make the arrangements as soon as possible. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please leave us a five-star rating, give us a nice positive review. It's little things like that that really help to boost the show and get our name out there. If you're interested in connecting with me on social media in any way, shape or form, you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, just search for at Ian Luke Jones or just put Ian Luke Jones into the search engine and you will find me, no problems whatsoever. I would really love to connect with you in any way that you enjoy connecting. I put a lot of uh, effort into my YouTube channel generally. I've got all sorts of content on there, but every Wednesday at the moment, there is a humorous moment, which is just a little something to help put a smile on your face and hopefully help to get you over that midweek hump. Uh, so do check that out. And that's pretty much it for this week. Don't forget, next week, part two of this fantastic chat with Max all about Viola Spolin. Don't miss it. Hope to have you back with the show next week. And then we've got loads more guests coming up as well over the next few weeks. So I'm super excited about what this uh, show will be doing over the coming months. That's pretty much it for this week. But before I go, here are some words that are wise, wise, wise. Always remember, whatever the situation, to treat life like improv, and yes, and... <laughs>